0: really until the lessons are over, we're gonna always remember the, uh, the, the slide, and if you would throw the, the end time slide up. Okay, let's think about where we are uh, in 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 this slide, we're right here. We're the church age. If you remember in the past, there were prophecies talking about a coming Messiah. In fact, there are prophecies all throughout the Old Testament about the seed of woman who's going to come crush the head of the serpent. He's going to be the Messiah and the Redeemer. Jesus Christ came the first time. Remember, the first coming, he comes to the earth. Second coming, he comes to the earth. There's a rapture, which he comes in the clouds. So in the first coming, Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, uh, lived to about age 30, began at age 30, began a ministry. The ministry was three, three and a half years. He Died on the cross, he paid for sin, and he rose again. And that's Jesus Christ, first coming as the Messiah, and the Savior, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He walked on the earth forty days after his resurrection, ascended back into the heavens. Ten days later, on the Feast of Pentecost, the church began. This is where we are, and we'll be in this age until Jesus Christ comes. It could be at any second. We're not talking first coming. We're not talking second coming. We're talking about coming in the clouds. We t- turn that rapture. It comes from a Latin word "rapio," which means a snatching away. The Bible Talks about the dead and Christ arise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up with him. Jesus comes in the clouds and we're taken off the face of the earth. While we're taken off the face of the earth will stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things we've done in this body, whether good or worthless. We talked about that. While we're up there, there's a time period on the earth for seven years called the tribulation. It's the final seven years of the 490 years that were promised to the nation of Israel. At the death of Christ, they use 483. As soon as we're gone, they'll have their final seven years. It's called the tribulation. There'll be a man of sin come to power called the Antichrist. All kind of different events happen during this tribulation time period. The Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple halfway through at the three and a half year mark, claims to be God and and it's just, it's terrible after that. Many, many, many people trust Jesus Christ as Savior during the tribulation. Then Jesus comes, second coming, we'll be coming with him. Old Testament saints will be raised, we'll be raised. He comes to the earth and sets up a kingdom and he rules for a thousand years. We call it the millennial kingdom. Revelation chapter 20 verses about 1 through 11. He talks seven different times. He says he will rule for a thousand years at the end of the thousand years there's another battle at the end when Satan is released and there's the battle of Gog and Magog the second battle Jesus Christ takes care of all of that unbelievers that Satan is cast into the lake of fire the unbelievers are raised to stand before the great white throne judgment anyone's names not found written in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire anyone who has never trusted in Jesus Christ is one whose name is not in the book of life because in order to have life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you believe in Jesus Christ His Savior, you have life. These people do not have life. They've never trusted Christ. They're cast into the lake of fire. And then Revelation 21, 22, there's a new heavens and a new earth, an eternal state, and all of those things. So this is the flow of the end times that we have been seeing in all of our studies. What we're doing today and next week, as we put it all back together again, or next time, um, We've been seeing uh, this flow, and then these last two lessons are dealing with what, since we are, the plan is for us to be rewarded, and the next event could happen at any second, what should we be doing as we await the return of Jesus Christ? And we're not talking first coming, of course, because he's already come. We're not talking about the second coming, because that's in the future. This is the rapture, which could come at any second. So that's where we are. Now, what we did last week is I said, anybody have any questions? And I didn't see anybody's hands, but that. Afterwards, people said, we had our hands up, so I didn't see your hands. So does anybody have any questions or anything dealing with the flow of the end times? Let's talk about it before we continue on. Anybody got hands up? Huh. So nobody has hands up. Because so, last week, people came up to me and said, we had our hands up and you didn't call on us. And I said, I could not see your hands. So if you have a hand up, uh, I'm not seeing it, okay? All right, so we don't need to talk about this. Everybody's got it. Who would like to come up and go over the list with us? (laughs) Okay, let's do this as we continue we've been talking about what do we do as we await the return of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter four, verse seven through 11 basically says the end is here, Jesus is coming, what do we do? And so in verse seven he said, the end of all things is near, therefore be people of prayer. And then he listed three things. I wanna remind you, three specific things we're to do as we await the return of Jesus Christ. In verse eight he says, love one another. In verse nine he says, reach out to one another. uses the word, be hospitable, and in verse 10 and he says, use your spiritual gifts to serve. Now, we talked about this, and so I'm gonna go very quickly to it until we get to the spiritual gift part. Okay, let's look, let's remind ourselves. Look at verse eight, above all, keep fervent in your love one for another, for love covers a multitude of sins. So love is the key in our relationships, and that is the key. And Jesus said, they'll know that you belong to me. How? How? Jesus said, they will know that you belong to me by your love for one another. And that is the key that, that sets us apart in this world that we love people, that we love each other. We love, when he says, above all, keep fervent in your love, I mean, stretching out, reaching out, because love covers a multitude of sins. What we meant by that, and we talked about it last time, that when it says love covers a multitude of sins, that doesn't have anything to do with the payment for sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for the sins of the whole world. That's already been done. When he says love covers sin, it means that in our relationship and fellowship with each other, how we treat each other, sometimes we don't treat each other the way we should. Do we just? We're fallen people, and sometimes we we ignore somebody, or we say something that might hurt somebody's feelings, or we do those kind of things. When this passage says love covers a multitude of sins, it's saying that because you love somebody, you overlook most of the things that people do. I mean, that you walk by somebody and you say, "Hey, how you doing?" and they don't even talk to you, and you go, "They didn't even talk to me." Okay, love does what? Love says that's okay. I love them. They they just they didn't even see me probably. They just, or we say things and you say, I know them. I love them so much. That's just, sometimes that's the way they are. Now, we also talked last week that sometimes in your life, there are going to be people that hurt you to such an extent that you're you're not going to let love cover it. What you're going to do is do Matthew 18, where it talked about where you go to that person. And so, and you go one on one to that person and you tell them how they hurt you or how they offended you or what they did. And the bottom line is hopefully the person you go to and say, you did this and that really hurt me, they will say something like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even mean to do it. I didn't even think about it. And then once again, love covers over everything and you've won your brother. The Bible talks about that when sometimes people sin within the body and it's sin and it's sin against you. That you go to them and if ultimately they don't recognize that and you go back with others, eventually there may be a break of fellowship. But the bottom line in the whole thing is that people would be in harmony with one another and fellowship with one another. And so as a whole, when someone hurts you in a way, if you possibly can, the very best thing to do, he says, be fervent in your love for one another because love covers over a multitude, a bunch of sins, things that affect us and bother us. You remember 1 Corinthians 13 says, "Love doesn't keep a, I know, a record of wrongs. It doesn't." See, when you love, you're not got the list and saying, okay, uh, they hurt me there, they hurt me there, they hurt me there, they hurt me there, and, and you know, I'm not going to forgive them and all of this. No, love covers over that. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. So that's the things. Any questions, comments about that? This is a hard one because in our relationships with people and our fellowship with people, there are going to be times that we hurt each other. There are going to be times that you will hurt somebody you don't even know you hurt them. You didn't even know it. And what we should do is either let love cover and just go on and continue to love them, or if you can't, you need to go to them. And we talked about this last week, and I just want to make sure. Let's say that, that uh, uh, you know, somebody hurts me. Let's say that Derek hurts me. What I should do is if I can't let love cover, I should go to Derek and say, Derek, I don't know if you knew this, but when you did that, that really hurt. And he'd go, oh my gosh. But what we often do is I go to Bonita, and I say, do you know what Derek did? He did this, and he did And see, then we begin, there's problems when we do that. And that's why the Bible says, listen, you either let love cover, or you go to the person. And normally, if you go to the person, who else ever knows that you were hurt? Nobody. So there's not going to be divisions or problems, because let me tell you, if, if I went to Bonita and said, Derek hurt me, then all of a sudden she might say, well, huh, I thought, I don't like Derek. Okay, then all of a sudden, uh, yeah, yeah, see, and, so, and I don't know how good a guy he really is anyway, but any, no, he is, the, he is the greatest, he is the greatest. He's a great friend, but what I'm just saying is, see what happens if we don't follow the biblical pattern, and so that's what we have to do. It's it's hard. Okay, second, if you remember, he said be hospitable, which means lover of strangers, which means open your home, and that means you just reach out to people. And it, one of the great things here is we've got we've got these all these tables and first time guests and the and the donuts and things. When people walk in the door, if you don't know them, you, I've had people say something like this. Okay, what if somebody walks in the door? and I don't know them, and I go over and say, hey, is this your first time? And they go, "Uh, I've been coming for a year. Uh, Then you say, I'm embarrassed. How could you be embarrassed if you didn't know them? Just say, I've never met you, this is amazing. You know, so you don't get a gift, right? Because you've been here. But the bottom line is, if you don't know somebody, go talk to them, spend some time with them. Because even if they've been here Since the beginning, you don't know them. And if they haven't been here from the beginning, maybe they are new. And by you reaching out to them is a key. We, we've got all kind of ways in the church that you can reach out. We've got the home fellowship groups that meet once a month. If you're not in a home fellowship group, just call the office, I wanna get into one. We're forming some, some that we've had going. Uh, we, we talked about maybe changing them, but we had so many people who were in a home fellowship group said, we don't wanna change our group. I said, okay, y'all keep your groups. There's others that were in groups that maybe didn't work out exactly right or something, and so we've got a new people coming in and we, if you want to be in a group or if you've been in a group and you want to change groups just make sure you call us and we'll make sure you get into a group because meeting once a month is fun and there's food and there's people and you get to know people and there are people you might talk to and you say you know what I have never got to talk to you at church at all and I didn't, I didn't even know you came and here we are in this group and then you get to know each other So it's important that you do that. It's important that you reach out to people when they come in the doors if you don't know them. It's important that you come at 9.15 if you can and get donuts and talk and and talk with people and build relationships. It's important that when the prayer chain information goes out that you pray for one another. This whole idea of being hospitable, this actually means love people. And it was the word lover of strangers. It went back. The word actually meant that when people traveled in those days, there weren't hotels. And so you're traveling, you go into a town. You don't know anybody there. So people would often go to people's homes, knock on the door and say, uh, do you have any place for us to spend the night? And one who was hospitable would say, of course, come in. We'll, we'll figure a place for you to stay. That's what, what that word literally meant. So now the idea is you just reach out to people. And that's how we would apply it. And notice the verse says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling, without complaining. And it goes back to an attitude of, of love and, and reaching out to others. The third one, and this is the one we'll spend some time on, uh, as e- this is uh, use your spiritual gift. As you have gifts, serve one another. Use your spiritual gifts to serve one another. Notice what he says. Each one of you have received a gift. Your Bible, if your Bible is like mine, it says as each one has received a what? Does it say gift? Does it say special gift? If you notice special is in what? Italics. What that means is it's not in the original text. It means that the people who did the translation of the Bible thought that would help make more understanding. See, don't get confused. I had a guy come to me one time and say, "Uh, the things that are in italics in the Bible, that's the underlined part. That's the most important part. I said, no, 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 that's not the most important. That's the part that wasn't even there. So, this doesn't literally say, uh, whoever has received a special gift, it says, as each one has received a gift. All of us in this room who know Christ have received at least one spiritual gift. And and we have these gifts to serve. And he says, as each one has received a gift, employ it. Use it in serving, notice, serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's the grace of God that he gives us spiritual gifts. Here's what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift, spiritual gifts are divine enablements. Div- abilities from God, given by God, to believers, so they can serve within the body. Uh, you don't have to write this down, First Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, four places in the scripture in which there is actually listings of spiritual gifts. And so sometime, if, you, if you're interested, uh, if you jo- when you come to the membership training today, we're gonna give you a spiritual gift inventory, which is a thing that you fill out and you mark things and it says you like this or this, and when you get to the end, it, it gives you an indication of what your gift or gifts might be. Now there's nothing that says, oh, this is your spiritual gift, but it gives you that indication. And here's the key, and this is the key on serving. You say this, I'm not, let's say that you said, I'm not sure what my gifts are. Then find a place that you're interested in, that you say, let me see if I can help. And we've got tons of ministries in this body that you can help. You may start doing something, and pretty soon you say, I don't really like this. Okay, find something else. Now what happens primarily, when you find out, when you discover your gift or gifts, then what you should do is serve in the area of your giftedness. If you've got the gift of teaching, you need to teach. If you've got the gift of administration, you need to help oversee things. If you've got the gift of mercy, you need to be showing mercy and you'll be doing things that other people will not do. If you've got the gift of helps, you can get here early and help us get all this set up and take it down. If you've got the gift of giving, uh, there's a good thing to do with that if you'd like to do that. Uh, I mean, just think of the spiritual gifts. And here's the key. When you are serving in your area of giftedness, um, you'll never burn out. You'll never burn out. You will love it. I have to use, use myself as an example. I have the gift of teaching do you think so I mean what do you think a gift of a pastor teacher teaching right okay no, don't clap for that God gave that to me that's just the grace of God okay what do I love to do to teach so now if you said go work in the nursery there's gonna be some real trouble okay right it's just not gonna work or I mean I help set up things but I'm not that good at setting up things and I can't do electronic stuff I mean I'm you know they were plugging that thing up a while ago and I'm I'm saying which end goes in where I mean I don't know but if you say, would you like to teach? I go, of course I like to teach. And guess what? I'm never going to burn out teaching. Never. Because that's my gift. In fact, it excites me to teach. I keep going when I'm teaching. Now, I might get tired, but I'm not going to burn out. Because I've had people who t- say they're teaching this class, and after six weeks, six, two, 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 two or three months, they come and say, I don't want to teach that anymore. They don't have the gift of teaching. A person who has the gift of teaching never wants to stop. We have to make them stop for a little while. And if you got to get the helps, people, you're just gonna help. You're gonna show up and all of a sudden, you're saying, who moved all those chairs? He did, he's doing that. Who, who, who did this? Who organized this? That guy over there? Or that girl over there? I mean, whatever your gifts are, when you're using those gifts, you're so excited. In fact, what you think is this, you say stuff like this, I bet everybody wishes they had the gift I have because you think it's so great that you think every other Christian would like to have that gift. Well, the truth is, every other Christian likes the gift they got. And they're just using it up a storm. And so when, when a person who has an upfront gift like teaching does it, people go, that's real important. Let me tell you what, the guy who sets up the chairs, the guy who does the nursery, the person who does this, sets this up, runs this, does that, just as important. There are no gifts more important than others. The body is one body, and is many members in one body, and everyone has to work together. He says, while we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come, and he could come at any second, he says, as each one has received a gift, every one of us have at least one gift, you use it. Use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So here's the question. You don't have to answer that loud. Think to yourself, what are your gifts our gift. What is your spiritual gift? What are your spiritual gifts? What is it that God has gifted you with to be able to do? And if you read 1 Corinthians 12, he lists a bunch of them. If you leave Romans 12, he lists a bunch of them. In this passage in 1 Peter 4, he's going to divide all the gifts into two big sections. We'll talk about it in just a second. But what are your gifts? So where can you plug in now? You may say, I don't know my gifts, but what, what's the best thing to do then? If you don't know your gifts, find some areas that you're interested in and pretty soon you'll say, that's not for me. And pretty soon you'll say, that is for me. I like that, I love doing that. And if you, as time goes by, you begin to say, this, this is where I'm gifted. The first time I ever taught, uh, Nap, remember Nap died last summer and he's the guy that led me to Christ. And here I am coaching at Mississippi State. But he, he, I guess he saw something. He knew I studied. I loved to study the Bible. I loved to put it together. I'd never really taught. And so he comes to me and he says, I want you to teach a, and it was sort of like a Bible Institute. It was called training union in those days, but it was actually different courses. And he said, I want you to teach a basic Christianity course this coming fall. And I said, well, I don't, I've never taught. I don't think I can do that. He said, yeah, yeah you can. I said, I don't think so. He said, yeah, you can. I said, I don't think so. He said, yes, you can. <laughs> and so the first time I ever got up to speak, it was a group of about this big right there. And I went, hi, how are y'all doing? <laughs> it's great to see you today. I mean, I was so scared, but let me tell you, as I started to teach, I began to love teaching. And saying, now look over here, look how this fits, and this goes over here. And so all of a sudden, I began to realize, you know, I, I think I do have the gift of teaching. Listen, you, now you can de- you develop gifts. I mean, it, you don't just say, I don't study, I don't do anything, I just get up and it'll just come out. No, that's not possible. Uh-uh. Study to show yourself approved. You gotta, whatever your gifts are, you develop those gifts, but they're divine abilities. So for every one of you in this room, you need to know what your gift or gifts are. You need to begin to serve in the area of giftedness. When you do, your life will never be the same. You may get tired, but you'll never burn out. You'll never burn out. Let me tell you, if you're doing something and you don't want to do it anymore, you go, I don't really like doing this. Well, th- that's not your area of giftedness. Because when you're doing what you want to do and you're gifted to do, you don't want to stop doing it. I mean, I teach Sunday morning and Sunday school. I teach Tuesday night. I teach Wednesday night. I teach Thursday morning, and I teach Thursday afternoon. And if there was another place to teach, I would, Okay? I'll be glad someday we have a building and we'll have a service and a Sunday school and a service and a Sunday night so I get to teach four times on a Sunday instead of two. And at the end of a Sunday I'll be tired but I won't be burned out. And so wherever you are find where you're gifted serve, so he says this, listen, as each one of you has received a gift, you you use it, use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Boy, it's powerful, because that's what a steward is. Now, he says use it, now let me show you what he does. He divides all the gifts into, uh, so thir- use your gifts, he divides all the gifts into two big areas, what we call, he calls them speaking gifts and serving gifts, this is how he divides it, look at verse 11, he says whoever speaks, if you've got a gift in which you speak, do so as the one who's speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, if you've got a gift that's a serving type gift, then whoever's serving, do it by the strength which God supplies. So let's think about this, if you have a speaking gift, Like teaching, evangelism is a speaking gift. There's a gift of evangelism. There are people who can hardly wait to share their faith. They look at everybody as if they're lost, and they say, let me go talk to this person, let me go talk to this person, and they love to do it, and they don't burn out, and they're not afraid in the same way that some of us are. And they have the gift of, that's a speaking gift. A teaching gift, a proclaiming gift, all of those are, are, are speaking gifts. He says this, if you're gonna use a speaking gift, if you have a speaking gift, Speak as one who is speaking what? The utterances of God. What does that mean? You speak the what? The word of God. The word of God. That means on a Sunday morning, my job is not to entertain you, It's not to tell you a whole bunch of stories, it's not to let you know I'm a great speaker. My job is to speak the Word of God. That's why we teach. That's why we teach Acts, that's why we teach the Gospel of John, that's why we teach different things as we go through it, that's why we're teaching end time events. My job, if you have a speaking gift, it is to proclaim the Scripture, the truths of the Bible, because that's the only authority there is. The speaker himself is not authoritative. In the first century, the apostles were authoritative because you didn't have the scripture yet. It was being formed, and so the apostles were the authorities of God, and that's why when Paul said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's saying, you better listen to me because I have the authority. Once the scripture was completed and the apostles died, the authority is the scripture. It's the word of God. It's a and powerful and sharpening two edged sword. Never comes back void. Accomplishes the purpose that God has. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It is the truth. John 17 17. So the Bible is the key. And whatever person has a speaking gift, you've if you're a teacher, And you're going to teach Sunday school, you teach the scripture. you got a Bible study, you teach the scripture. You make sure you're proclaiming the truths of the word of God. There is a difference in talking about the Bible and teaching the Bible. There are a lot of people who talk about the Bible. There's not a whole lot of people that teach the Bible. That's what's wrong. We've got people who've been in church all their lives and they don't know the scripture. Why? Because they've never been taught. Because they've heard about the Bible and the Bible's been taught to them but they've not been taught the scripture. He says if you're going to speak you better speak the word of God because the Bible is the foundation. Then he says the second thing whoever serves do so as serving by the strength which God supplies. He says if you're going to serve you better serve in God's strength because apart from him you can do what? absolutely nothing so whatever other gifts you have what we call he calls them serving gifts and it may be the gift of mercy and the helps and administration and all those different things that you find listed in the scripture what are these gifts and and what can you do and you always do it in God's power now speaking is also in God's power he just didn't mention it that way because he wants to make sure we understand that the key is the Word of God now Here's my charge to you and this last thing, and this last part. Whatever gifts you have, you need to be using them. Because in a normal church, as in almost anything else, about 20% of the people do everything. It's just the way it is. It's the way in business, it's called the Pareto rule, it's there, and the same thing carries over into the body of Christ. Every one of you in this room have spiritual gifts. Every one of you and every one of you should have some ministries in this body that you are doing. And if you're not, then other people are doing what you should be doing. And that's why sometimes people do burn out because they're doing ministry that they're not gifted to do because you're not doing the ministry you're gifted to do. And so if we all said, Whatever my gifts, talents, and abilities, wherever I can plug in, whatever they need me to do, whatever this body needs, I'm willing to do it. The whole world can be changed. Listen, you took 12 guys, 11 guys, and they added another guy, and they changed the world. 12 people. We got a bunch in this group. Can we not change this community? Can we not go out with the greatest message of all time? Can we not have a church that is so different than what people normally walk into? Listen, I've been telling you this, when people come the first time, we send them, we give them stuff, and then we send them an email, and the email says, would you mind taking just a second to fill out a, a, a survey? And they can do it online, and it has four questions. The first question is, what did you notice first? Every time they say the people were friendly and loving. Every time. That's not true in every church. So when people walk in these doors, you're already doing something great. You're already saying, that's somebody we don't know. We're going to love them. We're going to reach out to them. We want to have a body that is is biblical, that fits the patterns that you see in the scripture. That's a different culture. People say, we gotta go back to the first century. We're not in the first century. We gotta go to this century and figure out ways, biblically, to touch lives for Jesus Christ so that this world, this community can be changed. Now look what he says, this is, I love the ending of this part. He says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking in the utterance of God, whoever serves is to do so as one serving by the strength which God supplies. Now notice, it goes on to say, so that, This is the purpose, the purpose of using the gifts, the purpose of being hospitable, the purpose of praying for one another, the purpose of loving one another. Here's what he says. Whoever does all of these things, in fact, let me go to the next slide. While we're waiting, while we're loving one another, while we're reaching out to one another, while we're serving one another, while we're using our gifts, while we're doing all these things, he says, so that you do all this, why? So that the end result is God may be glorified. Look what he says, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What is the end result of us loving one another, building up one another, reaching out to one another, praying for one another, uh, using the spiritual gifts and all of those things? What is the, the whole plan while we're waiting for Jesus is that God would get the glory through Jesus Christ. We want people to glorify God through our lives. Jesus said, let your good works shine so that, and he's talking about the unbelieving world, that they would see it and glorify God. The unbelieving world would see how you are so different, God would be glorified. Powerful stuff. Man, there's just so much here. Uh, so, what does he say? Love one another, reach out to one another, serve one another with the spiritual gifts. It's with the end result that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. So let me give you this, this is the applications and we got about five minutes so if I get through the applications, if we have any time, we'll open up for any questions or comments and then next week we'll finish the study most likely uh, lesson 10, but it's some great stuff in there too. But let's think about some applications. For it. Let's be people of prayer. What did he say do? Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin, be hospitable to one another. He says, the end is near, so be of sound judgment and sober spirit for what? The purpose of, what did he say? Purpose of prayer, yes. Got to be praying people. Are we praying people? You want to see something happen? You want to see something change? Pray about it. Say, Lord, I want to be the kind of person that when somebody walks in that door, I reach out to them in love. I want to be the kind of person that takes the gifts you've given me, Lord, and use them for your glory. So pray, and l- let me tell you, we talked about it. We talked about it uh, last week, and we just said, Are you praying for people to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? Get that list we talked about. Did any of you, did any of you go home, pull out a piece of paper and write down the names of people that you come in contact with on a daily basis or a weekly basis and say, I don't know if they know Christ or not, but I'm going to begin to pray that God, that you, Lord, you will give me an opportunity to talk to them to find out. That's scary. It's real scary. But we're not meant to be in here all huddled up. We're meant, and we do, we huddle up for love and building others and train and equip and worship. And then most of the time, we're out in the world. We're out in the world. He said, don't worry about it. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Don't even worry about it. Just go on out there and do it. So start praying for people. Start praying that you'll get opportunities to share your faith. Second, in relationship to other, to fellow believers, let's do the three things. Number one, or A, let's love one another because love covers over everything. Carl Menninger said this, love cures people, both the one who gives it and the one who gets it. It's true. When you feel loved, how do you feel? How do you feel when you feel loved? You go, this is amazing. But if you don't feel like anybody cares about you, you don't you don't even have any hope or reason to say, I want to keep on living. If you don't think anybody loves you, and there are people that we come in contact with every day. They don't think anybody loves them. I have to tell the story real quickly. I remember this is years ago. Uh, there was a girl coming to the church, and she happened to be a cheerleader at OSU. And the reason I is she told me, and so she'd come out the door, and you know me, I'd say, I love you, I love you. And somebody came to me and said, she's a really good friend of mine. Did you know? She told me, you're the only person that ever said they loved her. Can you picture that? You think it's cheerleader, Everybody loves her, right? Her mom and daddy didn't even tell her they loved her. Who needs to know that we love them? There are people walking in these doors. There are people we'd be with every day that they don't believe anybody loves them. And God loves them through us. So love one another. The second thing is reach out to one another without griping. He <laughs> had to put the without griping in there because he put it in there. And the bottom line is open your home and reach out for people and do whatever it takes. The third thing is serve one another in love. Use your gifts. What would happen if just our Sunday school class, this is a Sunday school class, right? This is not church. This is a Sunday school class. There's a whole bunch of people going to come in in just a few minutes. What if this group, everyone in this group found a place to serve and use their gifts. Now, many of you already are, so I'm not saying you aren't serving, but there are people in here who say, well, no, I haven't found a place. I don't really know what to do. Uh, Call me, I'll tell you what to do, right, okay? The bottom line is I'll say, find your gifts. Get it plugged in. May we do that. All right, there's one last one. Uh, you know, uh, this whole idea of serving one another is, uh, Albert Schweitzer said, one thing I know, the ones who are really going to be happy are those who've sought and found how to serve. If you want to be a leader, you'll be frustrated. Few people want to be led. If you want to be a servant, you'll never be frustrated because most people want to be served and you get to serve them. I love, I found this quote that said this, if you're too big to do little things, you're too little to do big things. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is much. And we talked about it in the life of David. You wanna do great things for God, you better be willing, let's do little things. Let's do the little things. Let's start there. Last but not least, may God be glorified in our lives. Boy, this is is where it is. In the name of Jesus, I like how he says it. He says, so then all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. See, it's not just talking about God, and we've talked about that before. It's not that we just say we love God. The whole issue of what we do goes back to the person of Jesus Christ. And as I said, you can go just about anywhere in the world and just say God and everybody's happy, but you start saying Jesus and it makes a bunch of people upset. He says that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. When we talk about the salvation message, it's the message of Christ. In church this morning, we're gonna see that that uh, Philip goes to the Ethiopian eunuch. And what does he tell him? He tells him about Jesus. Okay? Doesn't tell him about God. The Ethiopian eunuch already knew about God. He told him about Jesus. And there are people you deal with every day that say, oh yeah, I believe in God. Believing in God. Just about 95% of all people in the world believe in God. We're talking about trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. That's what we're talking about, and that's the difference. So, may God be glorified in our lives through Jesus Christ. So next time, we're going to Lesson 10. You have it in front of you. If you want to look ahead, you can. There's some great stuff in there. We're going to be looking at First Thessalonians uh, to tie it all together, and the bottom line is to encourage one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great morning. Thank you for this body of believers. Lord, would you use us in ways beyond what we could imagine Use our lives, Lord, to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And so as we await the return of Christ, may we be praying, looking and praying for people to to share our faith. May, as we wait for Christ to come, may we love one another, may we reach out to one another, and may we serve one another using the gifts that you've given us so that the end result is that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ who gets all the honor and all the glory. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.